Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. April 4th, 2019. Thanks for joining us again here on the Mike Abadir Show. This is Gino Bacola. Mike, this is one of those times of the year that we talk about where there's so much happening. There's so much going on in our show today. We're going to talk a little horse racing. We'll check in on the NCAA tournament and the brackets and see who's uh, up in the standings. A little MLB early season thoughts. The NBA is winding down right now. And uh, we're going to talk some Game of Thrones later on. This is one of those times that we love on the sports calendar. Yeah, and I always love the Derby Trail. And especially in a year like this where it's so wide open, there's nobody that's really asserted themselves. We had some crazy results, obviously, out of Florida last weekend. Um, Not necessarily odds-wise, but, you know, the three biggies, they didn't perform. So, yeah, it's a great time to be a sports fan. It's a fun road to the Kentucky Derby this year. I think we're going to go back to seeing a long shot, but... We got to get there first, so a lot to talk about. And we already have a guest on the line. Uh, big thanks to Craig Milkowski from Time Form US for joining us. I know Craig has a busy night. Initially, he was going to go watch Clayton Kershaw and his rehab start uh, in OKC, but Craig, we know, is a team guy playing on a tennis team, and uh, he has some action tonight. He can't leave the team hanging, so Craig actually sold the tickets, and he's going to go play. That's that's why we love you, Craig. Your loyalty—it's just unbelievable. How you doing, buddy? What's up, Craig? I'm, yeah, I'm doing very good. How are you guys? Awesome. Doing pretty well. Hey, speaking of baseball, by the way, your O's have been playing wow. pretty decent I baseball. Know. But what did Chris Davis do to piss off the baseball gods? <laughs> oh, he's just awful. I, I'm not sure what's going on with him. I think I saw it last check. He's 0 for 17 with 11 strikeouts. So, <laughs> My uh, gosh. He sure went I from like a six balls in play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he went from being a premier power hitter to nothing overnight, it seems. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with him. I assume the power is still there if he would actually hit the ball, but, I mean, he just strikes out so often. Funny story, uh, real quick, I know you guys want to talk horse racing, but, I mean, I remember him playing here in Oklahoma City a lot when he was playing for the AAA uh, Texas Rangers team, the Red Hawks, here in town. Uh, we switched over to the Dodgers since, but, uh, yeah, I always remember I saw Chris Davis play quite a bit here. Well, we love talking uh, baseball and then basketball. What, real quick, a quick thought or two before uh, before the playoffs. How you feel, OKC? When when George was playing at the MVP level a little earlier in the year, I thought your team was maybe the, the, the second best team in the West. But some injuries now. Uh, he doesn't seem quite as healthy. What are your thoughts and your feelings on OKC heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be buying a lot of playoff tickets this year. Uh, probably two <laughs> games, and that'll be about it, I would assume. They're going to play probably the Warriors or Denver, and you know, if we got to a game six, it would probably be pretty lucky. They just don't have depth. They don't have shooting. Uh, Westbrook shots, you know, he's still playing at a high level, but his shots went out the window. So, you know, unless George is red hot, they're just not a very good offensive team. Well, let's make the transition now into horse racing. Three preps this weekend, Craig. Um, hey, Gino, hey, before we get to the preps, any thoughts, Craig, on, on the Santa Anita situation? I'm kind of curious. You're a numbers guy. You kind of focus on the figs and 
you know, uh, but but you're not a neutral person, and we could see that on on Twitter. You're 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 have a man of conviction and gives his opinion. So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Gino, but I, I kind of no, wanted no. to hear what Craig thought about everything that's happened so far in 2019 at Santa Anita. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what's causing, you know, the problems they're having out there. Obviously, I'm not there. Uh, we're getting conflicting stories. I was definitely a little confused by the, the remedies that they put in place. Uh, I don't see how that's going to change anything. I think it was just kind of casting, you know, trying to put the light somewhere else away from what was going on. So, you know, I'm probably like you guys. I'm just going to sit and see how it plays out. I love horse racing. I know that you know, 99% of the time, these people love their horses. They care about them. Uh, you know, I don't want horse racing going anywhere, so I hope things work out and we do whatever works out well for the horses, and we'll go from there. Let's stick at Santa Anita then, and we'll start talking about the Santa Anita Derby. Of the three prep races this weekend, short field, but very interesting in quality in that I think there are three kind of legitimate horses in there, and obviously we, we you got to start with game winner. So to give us kind of your overall thoughts on uh, on this race and how you see it playing out. Uh, I personally actually think it's a two-horse race. I don't think okay. all that much a roadster. Uh, I could be surprised, you know, maybe he'll step up, but he hasn't run particularly fast so far. Uh, granted, he was just in an allowance race where it was a kind of a slow pacey track, but he really hasn't beaten anything. Uh, he did get beat by game winner pretty easily as a two-year-old in the Del Mar Futurity. Uh, I think the two horses are Instagram and game winner. Uh, you know, no real surprise there. Game winner, he looked pretty good in his return. I was actually at Oakland for that race, uh, the, the split version of the Rebel where he ran second in one half. And, uh, you know, he looked solid. It looked like he was going to win the race. It was a tough beat there, but... The result really doesn't matter. I think he came back good, and, and he's going to be tough. Uh, Instagram's the one that's a bit of a question mark. Uh, you know, he, he won his two races as a two-year-old easily. He ran pretty fast doing it, although they were cakewalks. I mean, he didn't beat a whole lot at all. Uh, the pace was really slow in both of those runoff wins. But he kind of impressed me in the Gotham, where it was just a blazing pace, and he was able to stay within shouting distance. Uh, coming back in a one-turn mile is a, is a really tough way to come back from a layoff because you have to run. There's no rest in those races. You run hard the whole mile. So if it got him any fitter, uh, he, he should be in the lead in here. There's not a whole lot of speed other than maybe Roadster. Uh, I think he can get a clear lead, and he may be the one that's tough to run down if he can you know, be a little better and he was a little fitter than he was in the Gotham. Then I, I couldn't really find any outside-the-box horse there um, in the rest of the field. I mean, I thought, as you mentioned, I kind of felt the same way. And I think the I think the post might actually hurt Roadster because there's not a lot of speed, so he might have to go a little bit and maybe Instagram presses him or maybe he gets kind of caught in between. But I'm, I'm with you. I liked Instagram's race quite a bit um, when I watched it back a couple more times. I just think – I think – it's a good race uh, for a comeback race. And, th- and then you're not worried about winning that comeback race. That's what we forget about all too, uh, all too often nowadays is that bigger plans down the line, especially with these three-year-olds, anyone besides those three horses that you think could, could hit the board or make any sort of a dent in here, Craig? No, I think the other three yeah. are just filler yeah. in here, to be honest. Uh, they didn't yep. want to have a four or five horse field. They probably yep. hustled a few guys to run where they otherwise don't fit. But, you know, good good allowance horses. It's not like we have the Gulfstream situation where we're going to have a 150-to-1 shot in the race because they just, you know, are so outclassed. I mean, these are decent horses, but they're just a cut or two below the others. 
Let's move over to Aqueduct, and we'll talk a little uh, Wood Memorial. I, kind of what's interesting, there's a small ray, a short field in the uh, the, ray, the Bay Shore earlier on the card, Craig. And normally, you'd probably see maybe one or two of those horses in the Bay Shore taking a shot in the wood, but uh, all of them decide to cut back. Much better, mucho, mind control, call Paul. That's going to be a, a fun little race with those four. Not necessarily a race you can bet on if maybe you like one of the horses and you take a stand, but it should be a competitive race a little earlier on in the card. Yeah, the, the Bay, Bay uh, Shore looks strong. Uh, I was really impressed with much better. I mean, oh, I yeah. certainly don't think he belongs in the wood. He he doesn't look like a horse that wants more distance, but, man, was he fast early. Uh, he was out there flying. You know, in our past performances at Time Form U.S., we code him and color code, and they were all red. Uh, and he hung pretty tough. It's not like, you know, he got beat 10 lengths after he uh, gave up the lead. He hung tough, was beaten just a length and a half. And I think he's clearly the one to beat in there. I mean, it's not a big surprise. He'll probably go off the favorite. But just a really fast horse, and I'm looking forward. It's probably not a very good betting race, but as a fan, I'll definitely be watching that one. Maybe a promises fulfilled type for this year, uh, I think, with uh, with cutting back in some of those sprint races. Um, let's get up to the wood, though. Uh, grade 2 for the points. These are massive races now because and some of these these horses, if you need the points, you got to hit the board now in order to get in. Um Tacitus won the Tampa Derby. He's in, and and I you know I looked it up and down this race. When I watched the Tampa Derby, the horse that I just didn't really like that much was Outshine because I felt like you're not going to get much more of a perfect trip than he ended up getting that day. He didn't run poorly, but I I just couldn't seal the deal. Not sure what to think of that Tampa race. So what do you think of the horses coming out of Tampa first, and then kind of take it over and and take us through the rest of this field. Yeah, I actually, we're going to have to put a little fall, small friendly wager on that one because outside cool. is the horse I like in here. Lie, I like he kind of tracked, you know, it was a good trip, but I don't think it was a better trip than what Tacitus got. And, and I just like the direction he's moving. You know, he came back, he won an allowance race really easily, uh, slow pace, but he came from off of it and won. And I just like the fact that he was closer. Uh, he was kind of wide coming into the turn. And he was still making up some ground late, you know. He he wasn't like the winner was pulling away from him. They were just kind of there. And and I think uh, Todd Pletcher's kind of changed his M.O. a little bit. Normally, all his horses would have spots sewn up by now. But you notice that, you know, this time he's kind of bringing them along slowly. Now he's got a couple qualified outshine with a decent performance. He'll he'll be a third horse that he's going to have in the gate. And I just really liked his race just due to the pace. I think Tacitus had an easier trip. As you said, he doesn't need the points, and he's a horse that I think could get buried inside a little bit with a lot of speed in here. He could get shuffled back, and, you know, maybe he could get that same trip where he finds a hole and gets through, but that doesn't always work out. If he has to swing wide, uh, I'm going to prefer Alshine in here. Uh, yeah, the horse I think that's a big the- question mark for me is Tax. Um, he's one that I gave a big figure when he won. I think it was the Wither Stakes uh, back in early February, and it wasn't just me. Everybody gave him a big speed figure for that race, but it was a really tricky time at Aqueduct to make figures. Uh, the weather was, it was cold, it was rain, you know, it, it was wet one day, dry the next. They were working on the track a lot, and even uh, looking back at the race, it's kind of come back a little shaky. Uh, the two and three horses have not run well at all from that race, but then the horses that ran fourth and fifth have kind of backed up the figure, so it, it's really uh, an odd race, but 
I, I don't like where he's drawn inside in this race. Uh, he's never run particularly fast early, so I think it's going to be a tough spot for him. And given that I, I just don't fully trust the speed figure that I, even I gave him along with everybody else, uh, I'm not a fan of his. Hey, Craig, what kind of uh, speed figures did you come up with for High Cal, who has really done uh, little wrong in his uh, four races thus far? Winner of the Gotham. Yeah, High Cal's a... Yeah, he's an interesting horse. I gave him a 117. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with us, just just kind of a rough guide. We're usually about 20 points higher than the speed figures. We kind of do our figures on the same scale as time form overseas. Uh, I actually bet High Cal that day. I picked him in a spot I do for one of our DRF uh, video segments. I, I thought he was going to get a dream trip that day, and, and he did. Like I've already mentioned, the blazing fast pace that day with Instagram, and we talked a little about it bit about mind control but you know i just have a hard time thinking uh he's a horse that really wants a mile and an eighth he would need another dream set up like he got last time and, and it was likely to be a short price it wouldn't shock me if he won but he's not a horse i'm interested in betting hey craig since you mentioned the 117 and you kind of gave us an indicator as to how that measures up do you guys have a par uh for this particular race like what does 17 what do you need to win this race well, based on the horses in this field, we have something called a race rating, and it, it comes out to that same 117. Uh, it's a little bit below par, I would say, for a, a prep this time of year for grade one. Well, the wood's actually a grade two, but in my mind, it's a three. It's a grade one. It's just as good as the San Anita Derby and the Bluegrass. Um, you know, so I would say normally it's going to take a 120 or so to win this race. Uh, if you look back, the same for the Derby. Uh, you know, moving on to the Kentucky Derby, these are three-year-olds are getting a little faster, you know, all the time. Uh, that one might be in the low to mid-120s. Uh, so that 117, while it may come up a little short historically, as we've seen, this crop so far, nobody's popping big speed figures. Uh, the yeah. best we've seen around two turns so far, really, is, I believe, a high one team. So he fits in nicely with those. Hey, I have one more question before we move on to the bluegrass, and that's about a long shot the number 11, Jovia. Now, this horse finished second to the horse I just mentioned, High Cal, in the Jimmy Winkfield, was second by a neck back in February. 30 to 1 seems pretty high. Would it, uh, do you guys have any, any thoughts, or do you have a speed figure for that one that compares to the 117? Yeah, he's run pretty quick. Uh, his last two, he ran a 107 last time when he ran at Laurel. He, he ran against a promising horse, always mining, who is probably going to be pointed to the Preakness, I would think. Uh, before that, he, he was beaten in the neck by High Cow. As I said, he ran a 109 that day. So he's not too far off. I mean, I, I would never tell anyone not to bet a 30-to-1 shot. I would much rather tell him not to bet a 5-to-2 shot. Uh, at 30-to-1, he's certainly not that far off, and, and we've seen crazy things happen all this entire uh, Kentucky Derby prep season. Uh, every week it seems like we're looking for a clear, you know, we're going to get a clearer picture, and it just keeps getting murkier and murkier. Ain't that Craig, the truth. Craig, we'll have to find a, a, a horse to uh, to put against Outshine, and maybe we can play a, a who finishes better or something like that. We'll have to work something out in the next few days. Let's, uh, let's transition over to Keeneland for our final of the three preps that we're going to discuss. It is the Bluegrass. We have a big field in here, but we will likely have a pretty heavy favorite. And so I guess we'll start with Vacoma. What did you think of Vacoma's comeback race, and how do you have him moving forward off of that race, Craig? 
I thought he ran well. He's he's an interesting horse. I mean, he won his two races as a two-year-old pretty easy. He ran fast for sure. He ran 115-116 back as a two-year-old, which, you know, as these horses mature, it would probably project them to running easily in the 120s. Uh, then he got ran in that Fountain of Youth with the uh, Hidden Scroll race where he just set that crazy fast pace. Uh, and, but he was able to stay fairly close to it. Uh, I think you're familiar with our pace projector where we try to pick, you know, where the horses are going to be after a half mile and routes. And we actually have Vacomo on the lead, but this is a case where I don't think it's very accurate because uh, he's mostly there because of how fast they ran in the fountain of youth, but he's never shown any uh, need to lead. He's not a headstrong horse. He, he rates nicely. So I expect him to improve. And, and while I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bet him, he's going to be way too short for a, my, for my liking, uh, he's certainly a strong contender in here. If he moves forward at all off that 115, he's going to be dangerous. I like that he draws inside. If he can race behind some horses uh, and, and get a clear run late, I think he's going to be tough. And just from like uh, the way that you, you rank this race or you look at this race as far as contenders are concerned, it's him and then you know maybe – you know, uh, Signalman and it, just just basing this on the odds, you know, Signalman and win, 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 and then really anybody else after that. So of the next tier of horses, I guess Signalman, win, win, win. How do you feel on them? Uh, you know, I, I'm very lukewarm on them. Uh, Sigma, yeah. Signalman just had a dream trip in the uh, Fountain of Youth. He was way back off that piece, and, and he really had no run. I guess the only excuse you give, could give him, it was his first race in you know, three months since back in November when he won the Kentucky Jockey Club. But I wasn't impressed by him at all. Uh, win, 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 kind of the same scenario, but at Tampa, where he was also off that really fast pace that we've talked about, and, you know, Alshine and uh, Tacitus, who were both in the wood, were able to, to beat him. Uh, so the horse I would lean to if, if I wasn't going to use the favorite is, believe it or not, the inside horse, some like at Hot Brown. I think he's a really talented horse. Uh, he's done most of his damage on turf and, and synthetic tracks so far. But he only really had that one chance on dirt in his first career start. It was a sloppy track. Uh, he didn't run a step. But, you know, he's by Big Brown, who we know certainly didn't have any problems with dirt. He's out of a tap at Mare. So I'm willing to give him another chance if he uh, is any kind of price near that 10-to-1 morning line. Uh, certainly not a horse I would say is the most likely winner. But if I was going to take a shot on somebody else, he's going to be the one. Time I kind of want to throw out two long shots, at like least for me. the listeners to keep in mind. And uh, in part, they're based on just price tag alone and, and, and trainers. But it would be number four, Market King, and number seven, Admire. And uh, trained you know, by Dwayne Lo- Lucas and Dale Romans, respectively. Wouldn't it all be surprised to see either of them take a big step forward? And we've seen that before with Lucas's horses, right? Where all of a sudden, they're not even in great form. And then, boom, they get it all together. Yeah, the only problem I have with him is he's a, definitely a speed horse. He's going to win and be up front, and I think he's going to have a lot of company. Uh, again, I would never talk anybody off a of bet in a long shot, but out of those two, I would much prefer Admire, who's run better speed figures, has, has a little better closing style. He was in that same Tampa Derby, uh, rated off the piece, only wound up beating four lengths and what was kind of a pack finish. Uh, ran okay in the withers, but yeah, out of those two, I would, would prefer Admire personally. At Timeform US Figs on Twitter, Craig Milkowski. Craig, um, when does the uh, the the pace cast does that come out um, on a specific day weekly? Or tell us a little bit about that. 
Uh, usually on Tuesdays. I do that with uh, my, my partner at Timeform US, David Aragona. He's our analyst. He's also the, he makes the morning lines for uh, job, Naira, yeah. all the Naira races, a thankless job. Olympic races from around the, the past weekend. We talk about maybe some up-and-coming horse like, you know, a maiden winner catches our eye or something like that. And I'm going to get into some good discussion about the races. So we usually record it. Well, we do record it every Tuesday, and it usually comes out later in that afternoon. Awesome, Craig. We'll make sure to follow you online, and we'll continue to uh, to get everyone to subscribe to that one. Thanks so much, Craig. On the way to the tennis court right now, kick some butt tonight. And uh, since uh, my Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs, I'll have to jump on your bandwagon and root for uh, for OKC with you. Thanks, Craig. All right, sounds good. Yep, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I always enjoy it. Awesome. Always. Let's take a quick break, Mikey. When we return, we'll kind of recap a little bit about that segment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Big thanks to Craig. Uh, I just called in the the bookie. I made a, a little wager on Craig's team tonight in that tennis matchup, so... I'm gonna be getting a live stream <laughs> for Craig in just a few minutes. He's gonna he's gonna live stream the thing for me. No, I'm just just kidding. But we always uh, love hearing from our buddy Craig Milkowski. Great information there, Mike. Man, it's getting it's getting close. This is really these three preps, and then you have the Arkansas Derby next weekend on the 13th, and then that's it. 
I mean, then we know we know what the field's going to look like. Hey, I'm going to so, call my shot right now. This exacta is going to be twenty to one over seventy to one in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it's, it's setting uh, up like that, right? Definitely, it is. It will, in particular. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to play anything under ten to one in this in this year's Derby, unless it's a horse that you've loved from the beginning or something like that. Well, there's no reason to. They're not. What's I don't think there's going to be a ton of short prices in that. Nobody's. It, it will really see what happens with game winner and improbable. I think those mm-hmm. are those are the two that if they win impressively, then a lot of people will be very forgiving about their being a little bit short in their first start off the bench in their first start of the year. If they don't win their races, it's going to be really wide open. Like if yeah, game you know winner what, runs man, second or third, you know the old like adage, you know, just basically about when barns get hot or when barns get cold. Baffert's not firing this year, man. Oh, I don't know funny. what the deal is. It kind of feels like that, but we haven't really raced a lot in Southern California, right? There hasn't there hasn't been a lot of races. Yeah, but you know what? Baffert I saw win. a number put out the other day, which said that Baffert with odds on horses this year is uh, hitting at a seven percent clip. Sure. And I'll, and I'll retweet that out. It's actually a pretty cool stat showing a bunch of trainers, like prominent trainers, and the only one that had like a good number with odds on favorites was uh, Jason Service, which yeah, and, probably comes as no surprise because he seems like he wins everything. everything. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it was a very disappointing number for Baffert and for everybody else for the most part. And so once again, to me, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to to, to, to back. Even if if, the, if one of those horses wins, Gino, I think you got to go with the price in the Derby this year, man. Well, yeah, but we got to remember, nobody would ever be odds on in the Derby. No, so no. Any of those horses, you know, that, that stat wouldn't make sense in the Derby. This weekend, it might No, I was, just, I was just yeah. making, I was this, just talking about his no, barn and that's a great overall. Stat. Yeah, I was just talking about his barn overall. Sure, it just sure. seems like, and, you know, obviously when the, most people probably thought he's going to send a horse to each of the divisions in the Rebel, sweep, you know what I mean? That type of thing. It just didn't work out like that. And I don't know, man. It, I take it to I, me. It doesn't. It's not setting up as his year. You know, I will. I I take. It's funny because it's we're so like we expect so much from him, and we're so like used to him winning everything that mm-hmm. when his two horses run like pretty good seconds off the bench, we're knocking them. You know, yeah. just because we expect them to win off the sure. bench because so many of his horses do. So I think in this particular case, I take those two horses. A little bit different because I'm thinking maybe Baffert, obviously he knows how to handle these horses to the Derby. So maybe with these horses in particular, he's going, okay, these are horses that I don't need to be cranked on that hard right now. These are horses who I I need to be a little bit better next time. And you don't normally get that with him. Like normally he's in a race, he's in it to win it. I, so I think these this might be one but, of those but even, cases. But even how about this? Even, even whether it was the Rebel, both divisions, or Sunland Park, or you know what I mean? It's like you could go on and on and on. It just does. It's not setting up. I might be totally wrong, and maybe well, no, and, and he goes and on a crazy three, run. But and like those three that you mentioned, I think those horses all ran. Like I, I'm looking at them all as individual instances instead mm-hmm. of the instead of the overall. Like I'm with you. Like right now, if I was betting, I wouldn't bet just like a random Baffert Firster because they're probably just going to be over. Like most of the time, they're oh, like their price is way shorter than it should be, just because everybody goes, "Oh, Baffert, first time starter." You know, they're always nice horses to try to beat if you can, based on the price. I think these, like the the two that we mentioned, um, Improbable and Game Winner. I'm still not cold on either one of them, as far as I don't love anybody else in this group, and so I'm waiting to, for people for someone to kind of wow me. And if nobody wows me, unfortunately, those two are still kind of towards the top of. Of of where I'm where I'm grouping horses, so I like the ones that beat them. I did. Um, 
I don't know what to think of the Florida Derby. I really don't. Uh, but I think the the San Diego Derby is going to tell me a lot this this week. And I think the Bluegrass. I'm I'm interested in seeing how Vacoma kind of comes forward out of that. But well, I'll tell you about the Florida anyone, Derby. Mike. Out of the Florida Derby, you're going to have a horse that's a maiden going to the Kentucky Derby. I think that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, if Bourbon if Bourbon War gets in. To the Derby, I would play him as a night as an interesting horse, but I don't think he has enough points. Like he's the type of horse who big field, he'll come running, but small field when they go really slow like that, he has no shot. So I yeah. think he's the type of a horse who maybe gets kind of off the radar a little bit, and if he's able to sneak in and get some points, he can uh, he can be a horse I play. Let's let's shift the focus a little bit, Mikey, from from horse racing over to to baseball. We've only had a uh, about a week or so early on early season. MLB thoughts. What's jumping out to you? Uh, it's early, right? And I, I think th- there are some things you expect that I expected. Some things that are that are kind of surprising. I'll start with the Red Sox. Uh, their pitching has been terrible, and um, they like might the day, be having right? uh, a little bit of a of a cocky start to the season. Yeah, they just lost to Oakland today, seven to three. Mookie Betts made a terrible mistake in the ninth inning um, when the game was still close. Uh, but I'm not worried about them. I mean, West Coast road trip to start the season. It's a little bit tough. And you know, starting up in Seattle. Then you got in the, the target in the on your area. back now, too. You know, the target on your back. What happens, especially that first month or two, everyone wants to say. I'm yeah. And by the way, they would have, they would have, uh, by the time they go back home, they're going to have played the nine games on the road on the West Coast. They play the Diamondbacks next. So um, they're a great team at Fenway, obviously. I'm not terribly worried about them and i'll no, tell you, you know why. what's nice is that you actually could very easily be zero and eight like the two games they won were they scored late in the game yeah they scored like six the, runs to come back run in the ninth, a three run yep. over the ninth then three in the ninth again so it, it's funny you always want to look at things with the bright size like I, i'm watching some of those games like they're down every time it's just such a historically bad run through the the pitching staff the first time around, it's just it's almost laughable how bad it is. Well, you know? and I'm going to give a partial explanation. I'm going to give you a partial explanation. Cora didn't pitch these guys during spring training. No. Nope. So this is like an extended spring training still. Now, he was kind of beat up by the Boston media about it a little bit, and he came back and said, hey, I kind of did the same thing last year. So I'm not at all concerned about it. I'm more concerned about our mental mistakes and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I... I, I I buy into that. And so, look, they're two and six. They're going to play three in Arizona. You know, if they sweep, they go home, you know, five and six. Uh, actually, so I take that back. That would be 11 games on the road to start the yeah, year. Yeah, to start. That's a tough. Right? So, yeah, um, another way to look at it is, you know, you got a lot of games at Fenway for the rest of the year now, right? So, a big percentage of the game. So, but anyways, yeah, if, I mean, if they, if they take two out of three or something like that and they go back four and seven, you know, not the end of the world. Um, don't want to make the, the whole conversation about the Red Sox. You asked me my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, the A's are playing pretty well. I kind of thought they would. Uh, the Yankees are not. They've got a lot of injuries. I'm not totally surprised about that. Uh, they I got think beat up teams, a lot in the last week or so. Yeah. Really, they, you like, know, right against the, the Orioles and stuff. Yeah. The Orioles won four games. That's just funny to mention. Like, I didn't think they'd win four games for about a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you would have told me the Orioles started 0-20, I wouldn't have been shocked, but yeah. Yeah, funny that they, uh, it just, it's baseball, you know, good for baseball. them. You know, you could sneak up on them uh, on anyone. And so they're, yeah, not a bad way to start. For yeah. Them. So two teams that, uh, each of us was high on, I think uh, a week into it, we both, both must be pleased. You know, your twins, yeah. Twinkies are four and one. 
the Mets started off five and one, but I believe they lost today. So those yeah, are two kind of long shot teams yeah. that we uh, gave out um, at least so far. Nice start to the year, and, yeah, and like even the, the rookie of the year that I gave out. They played uh, Peter okay. Alonso is off to a good start. Alonso has been excellent. So uh, I hope some people took advantage fantasy wise from that. Um, and then our our consensus team, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're off to kind of an average start, but they'll, yeah, they'll get it together. And Goldschmidt's yeah. been, uh, been been performing well. They actually so. a really fun series with the Brewers to start the like a yeah. really good where it was Very back and series. forth, and they were just like real close games um, and like lots of late inning heroics and yep. good good series. Yep. Great. And by start. the way, one more thing. A team that neither of us was high on, despite having a big payroll and everything, is the Cubs, and they've only won once out of the. I first do not like games. the Cubs at all this year. Yeah. I just did not. I think their pitching is really like I just don't trust. Um, I just don't trust Lester a whole ton Lester's anymore. Lester's your ace, and he. I think his best years are behind him. Very, very much, and I just yeah. don't like. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be bad. I think they'll be better than you know than they are the one and four. But I, I didn't think they're going to be a playoff team. I, yeah. I just, I didn't see them there. And you know, what? I, I've been. Actually, really, really pleased with the Dodgers start. Um, yeah. You could take Joe Kelly back, and we'd be 7-0. and I mean, uh, he, it was funny. They interviewed Joe Kelly after the game the other day, and he said exactly that. Uh, I think the Dodgers were 3-2 and two at that point, and he said, damn it, I'm fu- we'd be 5-0 and oh if it wasn't for me. I'm, yeah. so, so, I'm so sorry, Dodger fans. But they've been good. The bats have been good. He'll get it, he'll and, get it together. Uh, I'm not worried about him at yeah, all. Yeah. Like, I'm not at all. It's the same type of thing that we talked about. He just did a lot of these players that you're going to see struggling early. Like, Granky got lit up in his first start. He didn't throw a lot in spring training. Yeah. Um, you know, Kershaw and Bueller didn't throw a lot in spring training. Kelly didn't throw a whole ton. He had a, like a back issue and stuff too from cooking. And uh, by the way, I think if yeah. you're if you're planning to be a playoff team, uh, you know, a perennial playoff team, I don't know if you want to even give them that many innings in spring training, anyways. No, no, I think that's a thought process. Not at all, especially with these teams that have been back to back to back years or yeah. had long I mean, runs. Kershaw's you know? probably pitched, you know, half a season in playoff games in the last 10 years. Or even the the relievers, you know, like Kenley and, and some sure. of them going going in multiple innings so many times and back to back back to back nights. So a good start so far to the season and we have to mention at least Bryce Harper just seems like such a great fit in Philly so far. He has really embraced it like a star to the city. They love him. He's been hitting the crap out of the ball. He's he's yelling and screaming and dancing in the outfield, and he's having fun. And uh, it's good when, like, Philly is good in sports. It's good because Philly has a great fan base. They have a lot of uh, yeah. feisty people. We've got, that- some, uh, we've got some loyal Philadelphia fan listeners. We do. We do. Too, so and they're fun. Happy for them. So when they're good, it's just it's good for sports when the when some of the big big cities have very competitive teams. Yeah. So I think so by the way, seen, is, that's is a that good... guy not the worst interview? I mean, just the most canned, boring. Yeah. Did you see pretty, that interview out on ESPN the other night? After the for like game? a guy who doesn't look that boring, right? Yeah, like he's not boring when you if you're just watching him and not hearing him speak. He's kind of flashy. He's got the hair. He's kind of got a little bit of a strut. He carries yep. himself very much like a star, you know. And for anybody that missed it or misses any of his interviews for the rest of the year, they're all going to be exactly the same because all he's going to tell you is we got a great bunch of guys. We love playing ball. We all get along. We all just want to win. That's every Same interview. Thing. Nothing. It's else. basically the Crash Davis script from uh, <laughs> from Bull Durham, right? Bull Durham, yeah. Lord willing, he's just gonna yep. take it one day at a time, yep. and uh, you know, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. So good start. Um, good start to the baseball season. It's just it's so it's always fun those first few weeks of, oh, yeah. of any sport. A lot of home runs, tons of home runs. Everyone's got a little. Op- everyone's got a shot. Everyone's got yeah. some opportunity. You know, the Baltimore fans that I talked to. 
they were really scared and nervous. And hey, you know what? They're going to get a couple good weeks at the least. You never know. There's always going to be a surprise team or two. And they got a good start to the season. And you know, Seattle, how about seven and one to start? They beat up on on uh, Boston, but they're hitting the hell out of the ball right now. Um, just a lot of fun, and we will see. We'll need to see, you know, in the next couple of weeks how the two big teams in the American League, cut, actually the three big teams, kind of try to dig out of their holes. Because Houston, we didn't talk about them, but they didn't have a great start either. They're 2-5, and five, and they're right right there with Boston kind of towards the yeah, bottom. Yeah, actually, the three best teams in the American League are... <laughs> all all uh, are, slow are, starts. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny. If, if I'm the if I'm any, any fan of AL East teams outside of Boston, New York, might as well take a picture of the standings because it ain't going to last long. But you have Tampa, Baltimore, <laughs> and, and Toronto in the top three spots. So I enjoy it one, while you can, right? right I before mean, we get to a break, I remember one, uh, and this will, this will kind of get us into the, the NCAA tournament, just going to go through who what, who's at the top of our, our group. One of the years I was 16-0 and on day one, and I was on, I was one of one on, you know, I was one tied for first on ESPN. And so I remember taking pictures of that. It was so cool seeing your name, like yeah. you're tied for first out of, you know, the billion brackets that yeah. are out there just because that first day there was only maybe, you know, a couple hundred people or a thousand people that were 16 and oh, whatever it was. And I remember walking back into LaSalle high school, just got it holding it out. Like I printed it out. Look at me. I won on ESPN right now. I was, it was so you cool. You felt like the so, man. Oh, I did. I did. And, and um, most of us now are done if in our brackets because we we know we either have teams left or not. And it looks like it's going to come down to a couple of friends of the show who I think are going to finish in the top three. It looks like Shappy, Shappy, Scott Shapiro is in the lead right now, I believe. Shappy Town. And then uh, Marty Emanuel, who I know, I play in some fantasy leagues with him. He is right below at uh, and Muntzalicious. I don't know who that is. They're in third. And our friend... Uh, Joe, Joe K, he has a shot too to hit the board and finish in the money. So I think um, you can check on the bracket. I'll tell you one more that's kind of funny. Cheryl, who does our good good friend of both of ours, does uh, does our web design. Depending on what happens, but if Michigan State wins, and depending on who gets knocked out, she could, could have win. enough points to sneak into the top three or top five. Yeah, I think she could get, definitely get in the top two because she's the only one who has Michigan State winning it all. If you look at her, um, I think if you look at her max points, she, if Michigan State wins, she's going to get more points than anyone else because they have Virginia on the other side. So she's got a big shot too. So lots of fun. So yeah. And a big thank you to everyone out there. We had a great response this year to the group, Mike. So uh, Yeah, it really was. And, uh, you know, my my, bra- my bracket was, was, was pretty much garbage, but here was the funny thing. Until Kentucky lost, you I still had Kentucky and Michigan State alive. I was like, is this even a possibility? How much of a joke would that be if, if I go from last to first? Dude, I'm almost, <laughs> you know? that's what's crazy. I got a weird tease. I, I didn't have a very good sweet 16, but I still had a shot to have all eight left of the Elite Eight. Yeah, I, I saw that. And night, I had all four of the winners of the first four. So I had a big shot. I needed the next four winners the next night, and I think I was – Oh, I ended up having six out of the elite eight and zero of the final four. Isn't that that is almost hard to do. That's almost Isn't that hard something? to do. It's so Yeah, crazy. I think a lot of people were kind of in a similar boat of, as both of ours because there were no long shots at all that were, you know, very few that were winning. It was all pr- pretty chalky. So I think that's kind of an inevitable, right? Because you have like one bunch of ones and twos, you know, ones, twos, fours, and fives, you know, going into, you know, deep into the tournament, which means a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, I didn't do well. But... Still I still have a shot, still so shot. I guess it kind of make, makes a little bit of sense here, but yeah, F- fun tournament. It's always a fun tournament. Great response. Glad that 
uh, we, we had the, the numbers that we did and we're going to keep doing more and more contests and we'll be thinking of some fun things uh, maybe around derby time and that type of thing. We're not going to wait till the NFL season. We'll, we'll come up with something. So we'll definitely quick- uh, appreciate it. Yeah, let's take a quick break, Mike, and then we'll talk a little Game of Thrones, families and their loyalties. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Mike, before we get into Game of Thrones, quickly, I just wanted to, to pat you on the back a little bit. We spoke about the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, the new startup league that began this year, uh, the football league. And we watched the first couple weeks and, and, you know, the product wasn't bad and they got good ratings and there was pretty good buzz. And there were some people, some names of people that we remember that were either good in college or good in the pros and had some sort of an issue. But you were saying, I'm going to hold for a while because I've seen things like this happen. I've seen new leagues come in and the first time I think maybe three or four weeks into the season, there was some sort of an issue with the payments where they were a day late and you told me right away this thing's going to be done, Gino. And then three weeks later, it's done. Yeah, I mean, I've been through this before with the new startup leagues. It's really, really difficult. And I think I spent some time talking about this when we first talked about the AAF, which is you have to have a direct pipeline to the NFL 
with affiliations. It's got to have the resemblance of like a minor league type, you know, system where if you're a fan of the San Diego fleet, you know that those guys are a part of the Chargers organization or the Rams organization. I was suggesting at that time to make a regional, right? So the fleet is the pipeline for San Francisco, Oakland, Arizona, you know, whatever, Chargers, Rams, that type of thing. And the way you do it is there'd be like a waiver wire type, you know, like, okay, so you went last time. Now we get a shot. If we opt not to, then it goes to the next team, so on and so forth, to be able to pluck away guys. And that's the only way to really have it be meaningful, I think, to the fans out there to root for specific players and to know that they may wind up on my favorite team, right? You don't know when you're an Alabama fan where that player is going to end up. And so there's a lot of speculation about the draft. But this could be kind of like a year-round speculation, you know? And that would make it fun and intriguing and interesting. You know, it's kind of similar to soccer, right? Like in Europe, you have that system to where, you know, the teams at the bottom can actually jump up to a new league. There's always that chance. And that's the intrigue, right? The team that finishes at the bottom, you know, gets dropped down. So there's always intrigue in the systems above and below it. You don't have anything like that. We don't need more football, man. It's a shame. Stories came out, are starting to come out more and more about guys who, when they checked into the hotel, they had to use their card for incidentals, but the team was like, well, we're paying. Don't worry about it. Now they're getting invoiced. Uh, just bad news all over. Yeah, so I wasn't willing to sign off on any of my players going there. So uh, if any uh, loyal listeners of the show remember Ben Sorensen last year was top 10 in the nation in sacks, had an opportunity with the Niners and Falcons, didn't work out. So we just signed a deal a couple of months ago in Canada. So he'll be going up to Canada. He was interested in the AAF and they wanted him. I kind of had to veto that because of the problems. So, um, but as you and I were talking about earlier, let's see the infrastructure that Vince McMahon puts in place. I might have a little bit more belief in the XFL than the AF just based on reputation. When, and now it's nice. It's a couple things. One, they've done it before themselves. And two, they just got to see another league try to do it right now in front of them. So you can use them as a template. What was good? What was bad? Maybe some things to take. This wasn't good. And I don't think we're going to be talking about the XFL 20 years from now as a league that's still around but I do trust Vince McMahon more as we both talked about in just the if he makes a mistake or a mess he'll at least monetarily clean it up yeah and so I agree I, fully with that and yeah. I, you know what I, they've got to be wiping the sweat off their eyebrows as well because I'm sure less the main concern for them was well where are they going to get the players yeah less competition right? because they already had the first shot at this so now it's like AAF in Canada becoming Hulk Hogan baby who's left Hulk Hogan quarterback there you go yeah. there you go yeah that's where uh, that's great so let's uh, let's turn it out again gr- great call on your part Mike you were all over that very early on just saying hey even right now the Twitter buzz was good those first few weeks but I'm going to tread very lightly, and you did. I'm glad for yourself. I'm glad for Ben, and uh, great great call on that one. Coming close, Mike, just a couple weeks away from Game of Thrones. Actually, next weekend. Yeah. Next one week, week from Sunday. One week from Sunday will be the Game of Thrones premiere, the final season, and we've talked uh, about some different topics all throughout, but now we can talk about some of the different families, some of the different houses, and some of the different loyalties and the allegiances and as we go through, I mean, the, the big major ones and really where we start in Game of Thrones is we start seeing a lot of House Baratheon, House Lannister, House Stark. Those are the three main ones that we're seeing a lot of really all throughout the show. 
and uh, Baratheon and Lannister combined with Cersei and Robert getting married and uh, Ned Stark and, and the Starks. They're kind of the uh, the right hand man for Baratheon underneath. So lots of family loyalties back and forth. But we find out very early on who is one of the I think the most important families. And it's the family that always pays their debts, Mike. It's House Lannister because they're just involved in every way, shape, or form in everything good, bad, negative, positive, you name it. A Lannister always pays their debts. Hard to argue with that. But the funny thing is the one family that has the least representation in terms of alive members, the Targaryens. Targaryens. They may may win it all when all said and done between Jon Snow Targaryen or or, uh, Khaleesi. And we... We've kind of heard of Aegon and uh, Jaehaerys and Aerys the Mad and Rhaegar, and we see Viserys, who is one of the worst characters, definitely. I mean, he's on that short list with with Joffrey and and Ramsay as just some of the most evil characters. And I never was uh, I never was sad to see him go with that gold crown early on. But I, I like some of the smaller families too that we get into. I mean, as we see. One family who's trying to, to make their name and they're trying to uh, to form a place is the Boltons. And and we see Roose Bolton and Ramsey Bolton. And when I think them, another thing that you can only think is evil, what uh, Roose does to the Starks and then Ramsey, what, he's do- what he does to Sansa. Um, they are about as brutal of uh, when you're looking through the families. I think you can put them up in comparison with almost anyone else. Yeah, uh, the phrase, terrible. Um, how about the Tarleys, right? You have Samwell, great, great kid, very, very lovable character. And he, he it couldn't be any more different than his uh, pops. Um, his brother seemed, it was hard to get kind of get a grasp on him. He just seemed kind of like a Roman soldier, you know, kind of going along with what his dad wanted. And um, uh, very lovely mom, nice sister, but, you know, that's the cool thing about Game of Thrones is that you have all these major families, but then you have some of these smaller ones that come into play as well. But I've always loved Samuel. Sam is the man. How about one of my favorite tam- uh, families, too, is the Martells. The Martells. Yes, good call. Oberyn, Elia, Dorn. They're just um, they're entertaining. You, you can't take your eyes off of them. I know. Um, just so, wait, who's, so who's left? Is it one of the daughters and the mom or... The, da- the, the daughter and the mom, right? Daughter and the mom are still yeah. around. Okay. And then, and so then they're, another... they're supposedly just in a, in a cell somewhere, right? Yeah. And then okay. the old, the Olena Tyrell is awesome. The old Awesome. Woman, she is so great and so feisty and just does not give an F, but she knows how to play the game of Thrones. She knows how to manipulate and this and that. And I love it when she's just, I killed Joff. I want, she just tell her I killed him. You know, she is just so great. So yeah. yeah, no, that was that was very well played. I did you try to figure it out cuz I know I did. I rewound that thing so many times and I've watched that episode so many times. How did she get I know that she used Sansa's necklace. Necklace. But how did it get into the cup? That's what I never figured out. For those who are forgetting what we're talking about in terms of Joffrey Joffrey died because he was poisoned. If everybody remembers, he kind of started, he got up and started choking and his face turned red and his eyes were about to pop out of his face before he croaked. 
how did he get poisoned? We know he got poisoned, like Gino just said. We know who was the the uh, you know the reason for it. Um, playing the Game of Thrones, as you just mentioned, and we know that Sansa was used without her knowledge with this necklace. How did it get into the cup? I'd love to hear if anybody knows definitively, maybe they've read the book or something like that, please feel free to tweet us or email us or or call the show, but that was one mystery I never figured out, Gino. Then uh, a couple other families to mention, um, the the Greyjoys, obviously, yes, with, uh, yes. with, with Theon and, uh, and Yara. And his uh, wild sister. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's and, got a lot of love to give out. Yep. Um, and the phrase, man, the phrase, Walder Frey, what a bastard that guy is, right? God. Yeah. I'm so happy Frey. with Arya, Arya took care of business. Arya takes care of him. So kind of a just a little bit of a, a hello to all, a lot of the families. And next week, Mike, we'll be able to get into, okay, what are some of our predictions now? What's going to happen moving forward in the final only six episodes, final season, but there, a couple of them are going to be longer episodes. We'll have fun recapping each one of them. Uh, the, so we'll give you a few days. You know, you'll, you'll have, they'll come out on Sunday and our show won't record till Thursday. So you'll have three or four days, but then we'll have to give the spoiler warning at the beginning, right before we start talking in case anyone hasn't watched, because we're going to recap what happens each and every week. So make sure if you haven't caught up yet, you still have a, like a week and a half. Try to catch up as best you can, and then you can get in the conversation with us each week when we talk. You can let us know your favorite moment or things that really uh, surprised you or something maybe that you see coming. You can predict. Uh, so we stay interactive with us. Make sure to tweet Mike uh, on Twitter and uh, give one to me too. It's me, Gino B. Yeah, and I'd like to hear also if, if you have any predictions. And it doesn't necessarily have to be kind of like who's left standing at the end, but how about um, some of the subplots? You know, Theon has been kept alive for a reason. You know, what's going to happen with him? You know, um, is he going to maybe sacrifice his life for the Starks to kind of uh, call it even, you know, to make up for his mistakes? How about the dragons? Where do you know one's on the dark side? Two are still good. Do they all make it? Do none of them make it? Is the final battle going to be between good and evil dragons? Is, I have a couple you know? other questions. Like, is Carl sure. Drago, are we going to see him pop back up again? Remember the, yes, the, the yes. promise of... Uh, yep. Of when he when he will come back. Yep, there's um, a prophecy I, I like that he could. Yep. Gen, Gendry and Arya. I, is yeah. there going to be something there? I want to see. I, I I like the. I think they might get married. I'd love I'd love it. You know, remember he says to her, "You wouldn't be my family. You'd be my lady." You know, <laughs> yep. like she says, and so he. I, I like their interaction. I hope we see something between the two of them. That should be fun. And uh, and man, I I just I want to see Cersei get it. I just can't wait. I want to see something finally. Who is the one that's going to take Cersei away? Maybe it's Tyrion. Maybe it's Jaime. But I want someone to just put a knife or a bullet or something in that character because she deserves to go. Should be fantastic. <laughs> that one is going to be a bullet, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens to her. That's all the time we have for today. But thank you for listening. We will be here same time, same place. Enjoy your sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.